Welcome to the FFGF Podcast. We are a church located in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Our mission is to know God and to make Him known. We pray this message blesses you today. If you'd like more information about our ministry or how to partner with us, visit us at fredfulgospel.com. Thanks for listening. And I shouldn't say I have a simple sermon, but it is simple. But it's, it's very important. And so uh, you just pray for me that God will help me and that we'll get a hold of this truth today. I'd like you to turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to read together the Beatitudes. And Austin, maybe you can help us. What I'd like to do is I'd like to read the first Beatitude. And then I'd like us all to read uh, the second one. That would be Matthew chapter 5 verse 4 and then I'll read the 5th and we'll all read together the 6th and then I'll read the 7th you read the 8th and I'll read the ninth. can we do that and that way we'll just have a little bit of a overview of these beatitudes we've been uh, studying them the beatitudes are the first portion of what is called the sermon on the mount the sermon on the mount has been called the constitution of the kingdom this is God setting in order what he wants us to live like One minister said one time that the Beatitudes are what my attitude should be. And I think that's very interesting. So God wants us to think differently as a Christian, doesn't he? And uh, he has things that are important and things that perhaps are different than the natural man and mind in the human life would go. Okay, so I'm going to read verse 3 and then we all can read verse 4. It will be on the screen. I must like it better when you take a Bible a real Bible to church and get to see what's before it and what's after it and know where the scriptures are. It's a much better way to learn. All right, let me read verse three. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Okay, verse four together. Blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. All right, I'll read the next. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. Together. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Together. Blessed are the poor in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Together. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. All right, and so there's very wonderful things in here. In some ways, I wish that we could go briefly through them all. But there's one that stood out to me this morning that I want to speak about, and that's the verse in uh, 6. Let me reread it. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's read it together one more time. Verse 6. Blessed are they hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Now, some time ago, we had a person that worked for hospice among us. And I asked this person, I said, how do you know when you should go in and give hospice care? And the answer was, we know that we need to go when a person no longer will eat. Am I right, Linda? Thank you. Linda sees in that practice and knows that's true. So in a sense that the thing that begins to really shut down the body 
is when a person no longer desires to eat. And the reason they no longer desire to eat is because they no longer have hunger. All right. Now, of course, that's natural hunger. But there's a correlation between natural hunger and spiritual hunger. I like to say it in a positive way, but maybe to awaken us to the need. If you are not hungry for Jesus or thirsty for the things of God, you are already beginning to die spiritually. You are already beginning to lessen that anointing, draw back from what God has for you. If you're going to be healthy as an individual, you need to eat good food, nutritious food, and Pastor Mike has to do that too. And we have to eat right, and we have to, you know, eat to live, not live to eat. And uh, by the end of this year, you're going to be amazed. I might even get a toupee before it's over. Who knows? No, I'm only kidding. Oh, who would want one of those rugs? Oh, boy, I hope I didn't offend anybody. Okay. But we need to hunger. We need to thirst. Your body just naturally is made that you know when you should drink. How many have ever been in a hot day working at length? And man, the thing you want more than anything else is a cold glass of water. And you want it quickly. And you drink such a large amount because your body needs that, knows that. Also, if you have not had food. You know, I remember at the camp where I was trained for ministry, we had a Wednesday day of prayer. And we would eat breakfast and we would fast lunch. So we would pray at the meeting. Now this was a bunch training for ministry. It was a concerted program. So we would have a meeting from about 9 to 11. And then we'd pray from 11 to 3.30. All right. And so I did that for 10 years of my life every Wednesday. And it was a wonderful thing. We had God visit us. You know when people pray. But the thing was when lunch came at 4 o'clock. You know, usually you had a table, a big, big table of young people, and we all sorts of cha 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 cha. But Wednesday, nobody talked. It was amazing. And it was so fortunate if you were the Wednesday cook because your food got so bragged on. Oh, this is delicious. Well, I don't think it was any better than the other meals. It was just that we had missed a meal and we were hungry. And so during that meal, hardly any talk. It was kind of funny. Donna could tell you she was one of the cooks and I helped too. We all had to kind of share the responsibility of it. But oh, may God make us hungry. How important it is that we are hungry and we're thirsty for uh, what Jesus has for us. So we need hunger physically, certainly, but we need a hunger spiritually. And God has to create that hunger. All right? Now, I was thinking of this, and I was thinking that of one who exemplified real hunger for God, and that was King David. I'd like you to look at some scripture that David wrote in Psalm 63. He talks about that hunger. And have you ever marveled why God seemed to be so patient with David? Why was God so merciful to David? If we were just reading, John Gordon, Don, and I have been reading uh, the book of First and Second Samuel, and I was kind of shocked at the way that Saul was so quickly and abruptly cut off. Well, it says about Saul, he never inquired about the things of God. But it says about David that David had a heart after God. He loved God. He wanted God. 
He wanted God for himself. And let's remind ourselves that David was a king. He could have had anything of this world's goods. He had an enormous amount of wealth. He could have any wife he wanted. He could have any Lexus he wanted. Lexus, not such a good car. He could have a Bentley. He could have everything he wanted, his heart desired. And yet look what he says here in Psalm 63. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see your power and your glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Now look what he says about God. Have you found this out? Because thy loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise thee. In another place it says, You have made me, you have shown me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy and at thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. So somewhere along the way, God opened David's heart to recognize even though he could have had it all, there was something that this natural life and things cannot do. How many know that the world is seeking for joy, for love, for peace? And yet sometimes we don't understand that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. And so we spend our money for that which satisfies not. We spend our times trying to fill this emptiness in our heart. I remember as a young Christian, I went to a church and there was a young minister, I've told this before, and the pastor had given him 10 minutes to preach his first sermonette. And when he gave this sermon, I thought, man, this is pretty simple stuff. And yet that was 46 years ago, and I never forgot it. So I'm going to use his sermon. He talked about the human heart and every one of our human hearts. We have this shape within us. And nothing can fill that shape. Nothing can fit the need of the heart that we have except for Jesus. I've lived now and I've been walking with God for 50 years. And I'm only 39 years old. Someone brought me a birthday cake. And she gave me candles, and on the candles it said, 39-ish. <laughs> I thought that was cute. I kept those. I almost burned them out. 39-ish. But you know, after 50 years, I look back, and I see the path of Christians strewn with folks that ran after stuff, ran after things, thought this would satisfy, this person would satisfy, this, person, this occupation would satisfy, this hobby would satisfy. And sometimes it gets a little serious. And I almost hate to tell you this illustration, but we had a 38-year-old man in this church. And he comes Sunday, and I remember he didn't come often, so I said to him, oh, brother, it's so nice to see you. And he said, oh, well, I'm glad to be here, but I won't be here next week. And I said, well, why? He said, well, because the Redskins are on, and I never miss a Redskin game. But then when football season was open, it was turkey hunting. 
And when turkey hunting was over, it was something else and something else and something else. And somewhere along the way, he had had a drug pass before he got saved. But how many know that we need to keep saved? And how many know the enemy will seek to devour and he'll seek to encroach himself back upon your life and sometimes even bring back those habits and those demonic bondages that used to be in your life. And so this fellow got back in, onto drugs. And at 38 years old, I was called by his family to have his funeral. It wasn't a happy day for me. And it wasn't a happy day for the Lord. Folks, we need to set our priorities straight. And we need to realize the things of this world grow strangely dim. And that they're all going to pass away. You're not going to take anything with you. The only thing you can take with you is the blessing of the Lord that maketh rich. And he has no sorrow with it. And the deceptive thing about this Christian life is you really don't get it through the head. It has to be revealed to your spirit by revelation. It has to come by an experience where God makes real to you himself. And when he makes himself real to you, you will run after him. It won't be that you'll question him then. You will know where your life is. David said, you are my life. But Paul says that about every one of us. He says, seek those things which are above, not the things on earth. He tells us that we should not seek those things of this life, for your life is hid in Christ in God. Do you know that Christ is your life? And Christ is better than anything you can see and taste and touch. Christ satisfies the heart. The problem is, the Bible tells us that spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And man cannot know them. In fact, the Bible says, what man knows the things of God? No man knows the things of God. But the Bible tells us that we know the things of man. So, let me give you an illustration. When you live and lose a mother, I know what you're going through because I lost a mother. When you lose a father, I know that experience. When you get sick, I know that experience. But the things of God, I don't know. But the Bible says the Holy Spirit is given to us to make us to know the things that are freely given to us of God. And so even though we don't see God, we see God. Even though we can't touch God, He touches us. Even though we can't experience heaven yet, we have a little heaven to go to heaven in. But the church has gotten so hard and dry, so dead, so into performance, so into religion, so in just the habit of coming to church. I feel like running. We forgot how good he is. We've lost that touch of God. We need the touch of God. And to have the touch of God, you got to get hungry. You got to get thirsty. You got to go after it. I'm not yelling at you because I'm mad at you. That's just how an old Yankee preaches. I believe what I'm talking about. Because I got saved at 17 and I was depressed and I was hopeless and I didn't have any, any goals in life much except trying to fill something to fill that strange shape in my heart. And nothing could fill it. 
until I met Jesus. Until he spoke to me. And I've heard his voice. And I've had a little earnest of what heaven's like. And I got to tell you, eyes have not seen, neither ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things that God has for them who love him. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life are not of the Father, but of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. Praise God. Amen. Yeah, you can say praise God. I told you it'd be simple. But it's where the rubber meets the road. It's what we need to hear. It's what every one of us needs. It's what pastor needs. It's what sister pastor needs. It's what John Gordon needs. It's what every one of us in this place needs. We need a fresh revelation. We need to run after the things of God. Because we're growing older. But God has fashioned us for eternity. And there's coming a day that the only thing that's really going to matter is what Jesus has done for you. And how much you know him. Praise God. Oh, thank God for David. My flesh longs for thee. In a dry and a thirsty land where no water is. Do you realize there's no real, real life-giving water in this world? That's why at the woman at the well, she said, I'm drinking of this water. I've come to draw water. Jesus said, if you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. How many know that everything in this world makes you just more thirsty for the same stuff? And it never satisfies you. Now you drink and you drink and you draw and you spend money. How much money do we spend on makeup? I haven't spent money on makeup for years. <laughs> I could use some though. And we spend money on entertainment. Just think of that fight. I don't know who won the fight. Who won the fight yesterday? That Wilder and Fury... Who won? Fury won? Oh, boy. So anyway, <laughs> you know, you saw it all over. You couldn't help it. Do you know how many millions and millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars were spent on a little fight between two guys who are probably laughing all the way to the bank on your money, right? In fact, I shouldn't tell you this. I'm getting off my point. Lord, help me. But do you know, before the second Liston fight, I was in Florida with my family, and I went to the movie King of Kings. And in the movie King of Kings, guess who was there? Muhammad Ali. And I kind of always liked to eat, so I went to the stands, you know, to get hot dog and popcorn, and guess who was there? Muhammad Ali. And I asked for his autograph. He was handsome and tall and just an impressive looking figure. And he wrote his name out and I put it into my pocket. And he said to me, I'm going to knock him out in the first round for you. <laughs> that was that fight where the phantom punch went out. Nobody saw it, but Liston went down. Muhammad Ali stood over him and said, get up. Nobody's going to believe that. Well, I don't know, but maybe they did it for me. I'm not sure. And you know, I want to say, I feel I should say, look, we have some good athletes here. 
I was not one of them. But I played, and I competed, and I enjoyed it. Thank you, Jamie. And I'm not a pastor who says you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. You, look, folks, God has given us all things to enjoy. We can enjoy trips. We can enjoy things. But I, let me say it this way. With Jesus, you'll enjoy everything better. With Jesus, you won't have to have everything. You'll take him with you, and his presence will shine in that countryside. He'll be with you on Skyline Drive. He'll be with you wherever you go, and everything is better because you've tapped into that fountain that satisfies. Praise God. I just have a few more verses. I kind of feel like even though this is short and brief and sweet, I hope, we're coming to the end. But I want to just remind you of how the disciples began on this journey, training for three years, getting good information, seeing what Jesus did. But how many know we as the church are called to do what Jesus did? It's our job now. You remember when Jesus was raised from the dead, that same day, he entered the room, the doors being shut, and he speaks to the disciples. And you remember what he said to them, my peace I give unto you. And then he said, as the Father hath sent me, so send I you. Wow. I don't believe that was just the 12. I believe that's the Christian. But what did Jesus say to them? First of all, he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings the satisfaction. We need to thirst to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So what happened, Jesus appeared to them five or six times. His last appearance was at the Ascension. What a wonderful story. Read the Ascension in the book of Luke, in the book of Mark, and you'll see what Jesus said the church should look like. And the church that he wanted to design doesn't look very much like every one of our churches. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name, they'll cast out devils. There's bondages in our society. People come to churches with addictions of all kinds. And God hates his people bound. He's come to set us free. The church should be a place where people find freedom from their old life. Not just forgiveness, but kick that stuff out. Yeah. It says not only that, it says in my signs, they shall heal the sick. It says they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Thank God we've had healings in this house. Cancer, all sorts of healings. You've heard them already. But I have been praying, Lord, heal every sickness in the house, every disease, every malady, every bondage, every addiction. Let them all go. And when your people get empty... Fill them with something that really gives them something. Fill them with the Holy Ghost. That love, that peace, that joy that the world doesn't give. And we used to sing, and the world can never take it away. It also says they shall speak with new tongues. Don't let me make anyone fearful here. But let me just underline the scripture tells us, Mary, the mother of Jesus, spoke in tongues. 
Peter spoke in tongues. John spoke in tongues. The apostle Paul spoke in tongues. Don't be afraid of what God will give you. Be afraid of the world. Now we don't force people to speak in tongues here because you're more than a tongue. A tongue is a prayer language and the Bible says he that speaks in an unknown tongue edifies himself. Some of you are training for baseball. My wife has been helping dear Jeff and, and for months now they've been training, getting in shape. How many know you need to get in shape spiritually? You need to get strong. You need to get rid of the flab. I'm a hypocrite here. You need to really get in shape. And the Holy Spirit wants you to see. He gives you understanding. He builds you up. Praise God. So that's what the church talks about and is supposed to look like. But let me come to the very last word that Jesus speaks at. Right before he's ascended, he lifts his hands and he says, Now you go and you tarry in the city of Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. Don't go out to minister. You're not ready yet. He even said to them before the Holy Ghost, I have many things to say to you, but you can't even understand them. If you want a good Bible study, study pre-Peter Pentecost and post-Peter Pentecost. They didn't look at all like the same guy because God transforms. Folks, we need the power of God. I don't want to get off with this. I'm on a roll here. But I was a young preacher too one time. And I was asked to be an evangelist in a church in New Jersey. And so I went to this church in New Jersey and I preached for five consecutive nights. But in one of my sermons, I'll never forget it. I think it's the only thing that they remember. I preached about Popeye the Sailor Man. How many remember Popeye? Oh, I love Popeye and Mighty, Man, Mighty Mouse. Oh, Popeye had an enemy. His name was Bluto. We have some in this room that look like Bluto. And Bluto was much stronger than Popeye and defeated him. But Popeye had a secret. Do you remember what it was? Spinach. spinach. And he'd take that spinach out and he'd squeeze that can and he'd open his mouth and the spinach would come down into Popeye. And all of a sudden, over his chest would be a big battleship. And all of a sudden, his muscles would pop up. And he'd give Pluto one of these, you remember? And he'd punch Pluto. And remember how Pluto would go over the Atlantic Ocean? <laughs> and I tell folks, it's not spinach. It's Holy Ghost enablement. It's the power of the Holy Ghost in you that will give you victory over every big enemy you face. Nothing is bigger than the power of Jesus who subdued all things and conquered every enemy and healed every disease. He is more than conquer. So these disciples, just like you and I here today, were called out to continue the ministry of Jesus. But how can you continue the ministry of Jesus in the natural? With words, with natural things. It doesn't happen. It only happens by the anointing of the Spirit of God that breaks the yoke. It only happens as Jesus himself does the work through us. 
Jesus said, as I live by the Father, see union, fellowship. Even he that eateth of me, the same shall live by me. Spinach is good. I can't get off my point. But one of the things that's kept me alive is my wife juices for me. Big goblets of spinach. I drink it. It's nothing like a chocolate milkshake. But I'll tell you. But we have spiritual drink. Oh, may God make us hungry, thirsty for the life of the Holy Spirit. You go tarry in Jerusalem. And you're going to be endued with power from on high. And that day you're going to know me. And you're going to have rivers of living water. Praise God. Acts chapter 2. I'm going to finish with this. Just a little bit of a reminder of what God did for them. It said that they gathered in Jerusalem with the women, the 12, a group of 120. Acts chapter 1 verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with the brethren. Praise God. One minister said, if you want God alone, you got to get alone with God. Sunday morning's not going to bring you into this. But hunger and thirst will. Crying after God as David did. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. That's the experience Ezekiel saw. Remember Ezekiel? He saw this valley full of dry bones. Israel was dead. Israel was backslidden. Maybe the church is going that direction. And the Lord shows him a vision. He says, prophesy to the wind that these bones may live. And he said, will these bones live? And Ezekiel said, I don't know. But he prophesied and the wind came. And they stood up. The wind is a type of the Holy Spirit. They stood up a mighty army. And they took back the country at that time. Also a picture of Pentecost. Just think, 12 people changed the world. Without Instagram, without iPad, without emojis, without an iPhone, without an internet. The power of God spread the word so quickly that the whole Roman Empire was Christianized because of 12 men filled with the Holy Ghost. And suddenly there came from heaven a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. Oh God, fill this house. Fill this house and touch us all. Oh, praise God. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire. You know what that was? That's what Malachi said and saw. He said, and he shall be like a refiner's fire. John the Baptist said, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. That's the thing that burns away the past. And we need fire. So the Holy Ghost fills. The Holy Ghost cleanses. And then it says, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues as a fire, and it sat upon each one of them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. 
Most pastors would stop there, but my Bible says, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God gave them utterance. They weren't taught this. There wasn't something they learned to do. When the Holy Ghost comes forth from you, you'll do wonderful, wonderful things. You'll pray not only in the Spirit. You'll pray in English. You'll lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. God will give you words for people. I remember this story. I've told it so often as a young preacher. I get up to preach, and there's this fellow here and teaching to the Bible school students. His name was Ralph. And as I'm preaching, and I'm preaching about the glories that are in Jesus and the mysteries that God has for us and the great things God has for us, the Lord tells me, and tell Ralph, this is for you. Well, I don't like to pick people out of my sermons, so I struggled with it. The Lord said, you're supposed to say, Ralph, this is for you. So at the end of my sermon, I said, and Ralph, this is for you. Next thing I know, he runs out of the meeting crying, and I'm thinking, oh boy. So I go to him after the meeting. I say, Ralph, I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to intimidate you. I just felt God put that in my heart. He said, oh, no, brother, you have it wrong. You are talking about what Jesus has, the glories of what Jesus has. And I'm sitting in my seat and saying, Lord, is this for me? And then you stopped and said, Ralph, this is for you. Hallelujah. You know what God speaks over your lips will change lives. Watch out for Sister Donna. <laughs> Sometimes she'll say to me, I've got to pray for someone. The Lord tells me what they're thinking. Watch out. <laughs> God can give you the wisdom of God by his Holy Spirit to know what your kids need. He can pray for you and there's power in the prayer that Jesus gives you. He can speak over your lips. He can use the laying on of hands. But he can't use the people that live in the natural, that are dry, that are just in religion and haven't touched him. He can only use those who have hungered and thirst and got filled with the anointing that breaks every yoke. That means it's over. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. I guess it would be fair to say, do you want some hunger? Do you want to get thirsty? Do you want to drink at the fountain? Do you want that love? That joy, that peace. Praise God. Come on, let's stand. Pastor Mike was up here preaching. I just kept hearing the Lord speaking to my heart. Breakthroughs coming. Breakthroughs coming. I sense that God's getting ready to break through in a greater way in every one of us. Hallelujah. I just want to say one thing. Sorry, I answered an end. But I forgot to say this. I had a whole different sermon. 
I really did. Till 10 minutes before the meeting. And the Lord says to me, you preach about this. I want to make my people hungry. Now that's what the Lord spoke to me. Either I'm telling the truth or I'm a liar, but I'm telling you. That's what he gave me today for us. He wants to make every one of us hungry and thirsty for Jesus. Okay, Sister Hunter. Amen. So that's what God wants to do for us. There's going to be a greater breakthrough. Hallelujah. Where God imparts within us a greater hungering and a thirst for him. That takes a work of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And you know what I'm going to say. If you want that, come on. Those of you that can, let's come forward. Wherever you're at, let's ask God to do it for us. Hallelujah. I want it. I want a greater breakthrough. I want a greater hungering and thirsting for Jesus. Lord, we thank you. God, the call is going forth. Hallelujah. Lord, you're calling us to come. Come to the water of life. Hallelujah. And Lord, you want us to partake by faith, to be filled, Lord, with a greater hungering and a thirsting and a revelation of Christ within us, the hope of glory. God, we believe you to do it. We pray for everyone in this building. God, that you'll come and pour out your spirit. Lord, make us hungry. Make us thirsty for you, Lord. God, we pray you'll cause all the hardness and the draws to be driven out. And Lord, to awaken us, Lord, to you. Lord, just pour in hunger, pour in thirst. God, we believe you're imparting it by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that you laying your hand upon every one, even as you poured out the Holy Spirit upon each one. Lord, we believe you're pouring out hunger and thirst upon every person in this place. We believe you're doing it. Hallelujah. By the power of your Holy Spirit. said, ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find. You said, if ye being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? And so, Father, we just ask today, come on, believe with me. Let's ask for a touch, something to happen in your heart today, a new hunger, a new thirst that will bring a new unction of God's blessing to your life, to your home. Jesus, we agree together. It's your desire that everyone be filled here today. And God, we pray in Jesus' name. God, descend the heavens. Quicken us by your spirit. Let everyone, Lord, who is hungry today and asking, receive something from you. Lord, you do it. God, you come to your people and fill them and release us, Lord from things that, Father, we once just ran after. Help us as David to run after you because you are life and you satisfy. And God, I pray in Jesus' name for rich anointing to descend to come upon each one who's asking here today. 
God, you do it 